You see, within the context of the second coming of Jesus, our expectations drive our outlooks. Hey, this is Taylor, and welcome back to Elevate Retake. We want you to experience faith as the continual everyday process of learning more about the Bible, ourselves, and God. And we believe that this podcast will be just what you need to come to a closer relationship with God. The title for our episode today is Thieves, Servants, and Bridesmaids. Your engage question is, are you ready? A key passage we will be taking a look at is found in Matthew 24, verse 42, and it reads, So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. A key theme we will take a look at is whether Jesus' return is soon or delayed. We are called to tell others about it. Welcome home. There's always room for one more. Glad you're with us this morning, whether this be the thousandth time, well, we haven't met for a thousand times, but the hundredth time you've come, or maybe this is the first time you're here this morning. I'm glad you're here. My name is Michael, pastor for young adults here at the Keene Church. For those of you that don't know, and I don't know about you, but the music this morning touched my heart. It's been a week, hasn't it? There's a, a, a question that was asked a moment ago, and the question is, are you ready? Are you ready? And that's the question that we're going to be talking about this morning. So as we begin, I invite you to bow your heads with me for one last word of prayer. Hey God, we're here. Been through another week. It's crazy how fast this year has gone. But right now we're longing for your presence and we've gotten a taste of it so far. And God, continue to pour it out. As we dive into scripture today, we need to hear your voice now and today more than ever before. So God, we give you the honor and glory and look to see how you're going to show up through scripture today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It was last year, um, right before, uh, it was actually this year, but it was about seven or eight months ago, right before uh, coronavirus kind of shut everything down, uh, we had a friend that was visiting, visiting us from the beautiful island of Palau. Some of you may know Abner Sanchez. He comes and visits the Southwestern campus to recruit some student missionaries to go serve overseas, and he was coming to stay with us. And uh, we were uh, arranging for it, and he told me, hey, here's the flight. Here's the time I'm coming. I'm coming on a Monday night. Should come in, you know, into to DFW at this time, and I'll be down to your house about this time. And so uh, Melissa and I, my wife and I, we prepared for him to come, or at least so we thought. And uh, it was, he was supposed to come on a Monday, and uh, we were just kind of doing our average everyday thing on a Sunday. Sundays, I generally take my day off, and I think Melissa was working that day. And kind of getting back home that evening, and right as Melissa got home, it was about 7.30 at night, got a text from Abner. And he says, hey, I'll be down in about an hour. We're like, what? weren't you supposed to come on, on Monday? But it's, it's Sunday night. And you wouldn't believe the amount of cleaning you can do in an hour when someone is coming over to your house unexpected, right? All of a sudden, you kick it into overdrive. Now, I'm sure everybody, you're looking back at me, you're like, no, no worries. I keep my house completely clean. It's ready anytime for anybody to come over. But for the few of you that relate with me, that you kick it into overdrive, you find that gear that just gets you going, all of a sudden your house is immaculate, but don't open the closet, right? Just don't open the closet. (laughs) We can be prepared for someone to come, but we can be caught off guard. 
And today we're going to be looking at a piece of scripture where Jesus tells us that very thing. We pick up our series, The Return, in Matthew chapter 24. So if you've got your Bibles, either your physical paper versions or your digital Bibles, it doesn't matter. Matthew chapter 24, uh, we'll be reading out of the New Living Translation is the one that's going to be up on your screen today, but whatever version you've got is just okay. And here's what Jesus says. This is where we finished last week. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. If we knew for sure when Abner was coming, we would have been a little bit more prepared, right? You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. And this is kind of a duh moment, right? If you got a text message or a phone call or someone came up to you today and says, hey, tonight or tomorrow morning at about two o'clock, there's going to be a burglar that comes by your house. Are you going to sleep tonight? No, you're going to be ready for when that person comes. You're going to have the police on standby. Um, Well, some of you will. Others may take matters into your own hands, and that's okay. We live in Texas, right? But if the burglar is coming, you're going to make preparation to make sure you are not taken unawares. It's like, of course, Jesus. If I knew the burglar was coming, I'm going to be prepared. But then Jesus flips the script. He says, you also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. There's a little dissonance there, right? He uses an analogy and we say, yes, obviously, Jesus, we're going to be prepared if the burglar comes. But Jesus says, hold on, my second coming, the time when I'm coming back to redeem you is going to come when you least expect it. So you must be ready all the time. And the question that jumps into my mind is, how do we be ready for Jesus to come? How do we, he says, to keep watch and be ready? What does that look like for our lives? In this section of scripture, Jesus tells four parables about the meaning of readiness and the meaning of being ready for when he comes. And today, we're going to look at two of them. Next week, we'll look at the second two. So we keep reading Matthew 24, verses 45 through 47. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. Jesus begins this parable telling us about a servant in a master's household. He tells us that this servant was faithful, that the master had to go away for a time, but the master knew that he could leave his house in capable hands. And here's the thing. Maybe if uh, your mom asked you to clean your room, or maybe you're a parent who asks a child to clean a room, uh, at what time do they normally clean their room? If you ask it in the morning, say, I'm going to be back from work tonight, need your room clean. What time does that room start to become clean? Maybe you start thinking about, if you're going to be home at 5, you start thinking about it at 4.45 in the afternoon, right? Oh, mom's coming. I should probably clean my room. No, this master says, or this servant of this master says, no, I don't know when my master's coming back. And I want to make sure everything is in order. And here in this moment, this parable is not telling us about how we make sure our hearts are prepared and everything that we have to do to make sure that we're ready for the master. 
The focus of this passage and the focus of this servant is taking care of his other servants. Within the context of the second coming and within the context of the return of Jesus Christ, Jesus is concerned with how we treat others. Because the story continues on, Matthew 24, verses 48 through 51. But what if the same servant, imagine that servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while. And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the, servants to, the servant to pieces. Ouch. And assign him a place with the hypocrites. That's a hard word to say this morning. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Two sides of a coin. One servant who faithfully follows the master's instructions and takes care and makes sure his fellow servants are fed. The other servant who's evil thinks, ah, the master, he's going to be back for a while. Ah, he's not coming back from work till five o'clock tonight. We can have a little fun before he comes back and then put everything together. But time runs out for him. He treats other people poorly and the master finds out about it and says, no, that's, that's not how things work within my household. You see, within the context of the second coming of Jesus, our expectations drive our outlooks. The way and the manner and the timing of which we perceive Jesus to be coming back determines how we see others and how we see the world. If we live under an expectation that Jesus could be coming back at any moment, all of a sudden our world comes into crystal clarity. And I don't want to get into the fanatical side that we've got to be running around and making preparations and doing all these things because we never know when Jesus is coming back we don't. But what we have to think about is the knowledge of knowing that Jesus is coming back soon. How does that affect how we view other people? How do we view our current situation? If we expect Jesus to be be coming back soon, we're going to be working diligently to make sure the other people around us know that they're loved and that they're cared for and pointing them to a father who's coming back. But if in our minds, the second coming of Jesus, the return is afar off, it doesn't make any sense to do any of that now because I'll have some time to figure that out before Jesus comes back. But Jesus says in this scripture, he says, make sure that you keep watch because no one knows the day nor the hour when I return. Lesson from the first parable, our expectations drive our outlook move on to the second parable. You've probably heard this one before, Matthew 24, verses 1 through 4. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. There's an author by the name of, of Ellen White. She wrote a, a book called, the, uh, called Christ Object Lessons, and she details this parable. And when she retells this parable in the eye of looking at Jesus and the disciples, Jesus and his disciples are sitting on the Mount of Olives. They're looking down into Jerusalem, and they're seeing a wedding processional happen as Jesus is speaking. It's the... Uh, the always present and ready analogy, the object lesson that Jesus pulls. He says, look over there. This is how the kingdom of heaven is. And wedding feasts back then are nothing like they are today. Wedding feasts 
2,000 years ago within the Jewish culture, weddings would last one to two weeks. It would take preparation upon preparation. And the groom who had asked for the hand of the bride, he would go and prepare a place for her and he to live that was attached to his father's house. And she didn't know when he was going to be done with it. And there wasn't a messenger that said, hey, it's going to be in three days because he didn't even know when he was going to be done with it because it was up to the father to let him know when he was done preparing the place. And when he was finished, he would go and pick her up. She had to be ready all the time because she never knew. Might it be today that my groom comes back for me? Might it be today that he comes and we get to celebrate our wonderful wedding? And so he goes back and she would have attendants with her. And normally when they would make their way from her house over to his, it was likely late in the evening. And she would have attendants that would go with her that would carry lamps so that they could see the direction to go and allow others to join in the processional to the father's house, to the groom's house. It's the analogy ringing any bells for you. Jesus points out this wedding party that's happening and he points the disciples to those bridesmaids that have made decisions about their preparation for the coming of the groom. Five of them Jesus calls foolish because they didn't bring extra oil. Five of them he calls wise because they brought extra oil. The five foolish expected the bridegroom to come soon but had no preparation in the event that the bridegroom would come later. But the five wise brought extra so that they could be ready if he came two minutes from now or two hours from now, they would be ready to join the wedding feast. And here's what has happened. Here's what happens. Matthew 25, verse 5 through 7. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been waiting for someone and it's gotten late at night and it's all you can do to, to keep your eyes open? A few years ago, I was working at uh, Camp Yorktown Bay, a summer camp up in Arkansas. And uh, we noticed that uh, after a couple days, there was one of the horses in the horse barn had looked like it had gotten attacked by something. And there's some wild cats and things that roam the, the, the Washita Hills in Arkansas. And we were concerned for the horse because it had scrapes down its rump and it just, it didn't, it didn't look so good. And so a couple of us decided, hey, we're going to spend the night up at the horse barn and uh, we're going to try to maybe do it in some shifts and, and stay up to see if we can uh, see when this thing, whatever it is, attacks the horse and, and we can, you know, see what it is and maybe we can take care of it. And so we uh, set up our hammocks in the loft of the horse barn. We're overlooking the horse pen in the back. And things are going great for a couple of hours. You know, the campers have gone to sleep. It's about 11, midnight. We're talking, we're joking. We're talking about how fun the summer has been, sharing stories, all of that. And I don't know, it was about one or two o'clock in the morning that all of a sudden I couldn't tell if I was awake or if I was asleep. Because I kept trying to, to stay awake, to try to, to try to watch. And I think my buddy was snoring and it kind of back and forth and back and forth. And all of a sudden we hear a loud bang. And we're startled awake. And somebody had decided to play a practical joke on us and throw some firecrackers into the horse barn loft. And we got, we were awake for the rest of the night. We didn't catch the cat, unfortunately. We didn't see it. The horse would be okay. But it's those moments where 
we've become so weary, we're so tired that our eyes are drifting off to sleep. And that's what these bridesmaids were experiencing. There was a delay. They were tired. They had spent all day preparing for this moment, and now they were there. But I'm just so tired. And it was Jesus who was with his disciples just a few chapters later in Matthew that he's asking them to stay up a little bit longer with him as he's in anguish asking his father if there's any other way that they can save humanity. Disciples, would you stay up just a few moments longer to be with me in prayer? But the bridesmaids fall asleep and it's the heralds that come and wake them up. Bridegroom's coming. The bridesmaids got up and they prepared their lamps. They both, both groups go to use the oil and the lamp to light the way for the bridegroom. But here's what happens. Then the five foolish ones ask the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. How selfish of those wise bridesmaids, right? Normally, these, the wise bridesmaids are the ones that are heralded in this story as the ones who have it all together. But think about it. They're hearing the cries of the bridegroom coming, but the bridegroom has not come yet, which means there's time for them to join the party. And could it be that there was enough light from the wise that they could share with the foolish, that they could walk together to meet the bridegroom? But the wise, the wise say, no, there's, there's, there's not enough for us. We can't help you. Next verse. But while they were going to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, those who didn't have their oil, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And here's how the groom replies. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. What a sad moment. They were all excited to be a part of the party. Some of them weren't prepared to join the party, and there were others that turned them away and says, no, you've got to go figure this out on your own. We've got a party to get to. And when they come, time had to run out. And this phrase, I don't know you, in its original context, doesn't literally mean I don't know you. It was said from one Jewish person to another when there had been an offense in the relationship or something had caused the relationship to be shifted. And though the one party saying, I don't know you, knew the person, it was as if they didn't know the person. They were saying, "I I have no idea who you are. Not that they had not been in a relationship before, but the relationship had changed and said, I'm sorry. And when we look at this story, normally you've probably heard it like, yes, let's be like the the wise virgins, the wise bridesmaids who had the extra oil and they were able to be a part of the party. But really when it comes down to brass tacks, both parties are at fault because look what Jesus says. So you too must keep watch. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Know for sure this statement. God desires that we know him and he knows us. That's it. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. We can go out in the parking lot. We can jump as high as as we can, trying to get to heaven. None of that's going to cut it. Some of you can jump really high. I've seen you play basketball. But everybody else, like, I'm sorry. Like, they've got the best advantage, but it's still not going to get them there. 
And there's nothing, absolutely nothing that we can possibly do to in and of ourselves intrinsically make ourselves ready for the return of Jesus. But what is paramount for our lives is that we know God and he knows us. Because the way salvation works is that we know Jesus so well and he knows us so well that when it comes to judgment, when God sees us, we're so much like him, not because of us, but because of what Jesus has done. The robe of righteousness has been placed around us and God says, you look just like my son, welcome home. There's nothing we can do to earn or deserve the salvation that God gives to us. But what he does ask is that we keep watch. Because both the wise bridesmaids and the foolish bridesmaids fell asleep. They perhaps knew that the bridegroom was coming. They knew that he was on his way, but they fell asleep. That word in Matthew chapter 25, verse 13, when Jesus says, keep watch, it could be translated, keep your eyes open. could also be translated, please do not fall asleep. As we look at this story, the heralding of the return of the bridegroom, there's one group that often goes unlooked at and unrecognized that did not fall asleep. It's those back a couple verses before that heralded the soon coming of the bridegroom. Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. And at midnight, they were aroused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom's coming. Come out to meet him. Look, the bridegroom's coming. Come out to meet him. Jesus is returning soon. Come out to meet him. Our world needs to hear the good news of the return of the bridegroom. We cannot fall asleep. We must keep watch though we get tired though we get weary we've got to say hold on hope is coming it can't end like this somebody is coming that's going to make all things new and Jesus says please keep watch invite our men's tree to come up they're going to sing a song for you in a moment but here's where we finish this section of scripture Jesus says keep watch He says, stay awake. You don't know the day when it's going to happen. And that should not bring you fear. We looked at it last week. All of the signs of the return of the coming of the Son of Man, those are signs that should give us hope, not bring us fear. The difficulty that we see in the world around us, that should show us that, hey, Jesus is on his way. It's going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. But I promise you, it is going to get better. And Jesus, through these parables, tells us that our expectations drive our outlook. We must unequivocally look out for our neighbor. Nothing we can do to save ourselves, nothing we can do to save our neighbor, but we can point our neighbor to the one who can. We must seek the presence of Jesus and get to know a God who loves us and is desirous of a relationship with us. Finally, we must be heralds of the coming of Jesus. As we see the signs approaching, as we look out at the terrible world we live in, we must be the ones to raise the shout, Jesus is coming soon. Because he's the only one that can make it right. He's the only one that can make all things new. 
Isaiah 52 verse 7 puts it this way, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And when Isaiah writes that passage, he's looking at feet that are blistered and bleeding because they've been running for miles, crying out good news to the people of God. Those feet are beautiful because they've walked miles, they've run miles to carry a message of deliverance and salvation. In these times that we live in, may we be the heralds of the return of Jesus Christ. May our feet be beautiful, not because we went and got a mani-pedi, but because we walk heralding the coming of Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Wow, I don't know about you, but I want to be a herald for Christ and his soon coming. Jesus cares so much about how we treat others. As we saw in talking about the servant and his decision to treat other servants well and please his master, or maybe not treat them as well and deal with a not so pleased master. I encourage you to ready yourself, treating others with love and compassion as we near our savior's return. I also want to encourage you to keep a look out for our retake conversation that is going to be released on Thursday. I am so looking forward to this conversation with Pastor Michael, and I can't wait to share it with you guys. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Elevate Retake is recorded weekly at Elevate, a community fellowship of Keene Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder. Sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our host is Taylor Weaver. Our team includes Evelyn Alanis, Candice McCormick, Simu Ciologa, Alicia Galvan, Emily Weaver, Zandria Andrade, Megan Metzner, and AJ Adams. Special thanks to 88.3 KJRN and the Keen Church Media Team. You can find Elevate on Instagram at thisiselevatetx. For more about Elevate Community Fellowship, visit thisiselevate.org. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time at thisiselevate.org forward slash live. We'd love to have you join us. There's always room for one more.